We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Young, and I am one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me, once again... Mr. Aaron Buncher. Hi. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Hello. And Mr. Nathan Harrison. Blow me. <laughs> we are yeah. back. Wow. We are back in House de Harrison. And it feels so good. Ah, uh, I'm not right back, in, right back into my... house was bad. No, really. Not at all. I'm happy to visit here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm back into my ass groove. I'm, yeah. feeling, I'm feeling fucking tops right now. So uh, let's, uh, let's kick right back in. Uh, we're in the middle of the 60s, baby. So... Uh, Heaps more cool shit to talk about today. Some uh, some love, some hate, some in between. You take the good, you take the bad, uh, and then take you, a note, and there you have, <laughs> and there you have the facts. Of the hundred, yeah. <laughs> there you have the hundred. Uh, at number sixty-five to kick us off today, it's a band that we were talking about. Uh, let's see, about five episodes ago, Just a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. the bitch is back. Uh, at number sixty-five, it's New Order with regret. Number 65 in the 1993 Hottest 100 with Regret. Uh, I'm very glad that we got to hear from these guys again because I didn't want to leave it on the sour note that was <laughs> world bracket <laughs> the price of love, yeah. close brackets. Where you told Peter Hook to go fuck himself. Yeah, <laughs> well, to be fair, Peter Hook can go yeah, get fuck fucked. Himself, yeah. This is a way, way, way better song than mm. world. I really love this song. I think the guitar tone is just gorgeous. Uh, the, bass, but the bass is fantastic. Yeah, well. yeah, the melodies nice. are just really, really pleasant. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot to like in this track. This is a lot more to, um, I guess, it's a weird terminology to apply to them, but this is a bit more organic in terms of uh, New Order. Um, yeah, so I'm really glad that we, we get to talk about this song and, you know, we get to put World behind us. It's really weird to think this and World were on the same record, mm, you know, yeah. and that this would be the last New Order record for, I think, seven years. 
maybe eight, which is crazy. Um, but this is one of their better efforts uh, from that album and pretty much from their entire discography. I think this is a, a, a defining single. I really, really dig this. But uh, let's throw to uh, Mac. You were you were here last time that we discussed uh, World Bracket, The Price of Love, Closed Brackets. Uh, and uh, you were kind of... Uh, you were... You weren't too flash no. on it either. But, uh, yeah, so I'd be interested to see what your take is on, on Regret. No, I'm with you. I think it's a wonderful song. I think my, like, it's one of the New Order songs that I've known for a longer period than knowing the band as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I think my, I must have heard it growing up. My parents must have spun it. The only New Order songs that I'm honestly crazily familiar with is this and, of course, Blue Monday. Mm. And they're so, so different. And I think that, like, when people always talk about the early New Order, like Blue Monday, that kind of, I guess, just a, a, a club dance track. Mm. But then, like, this kind of thing... I think it's one of their more classically post-punk kind of sounds. It recalls... The bass, of course, recalls the Chameleons, even in uh, Joy Division, of course. Yeah, but like a kind of yeah. groovy kind of tone to it. But it's got yeah. that, that coldness that somehow comes across as warmth that I think that bands from that era did so well. And I think that these guys didn't do it as fantastically as the others, but this is still a very good song. Um, Peter Hook said it was the last good New Order song. And it's hard to I disagree, personally, but... Um... Yeah, but, but then I, I again, I've actually really heard the the other two new ones. I doubt he he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just off his face. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, I think it's a very good song. I, the, the vocals are, I think, always some of the weakest parts of any new order song. And yeah. I think this as well delivers on that kind of theme. But he was never a strong vocalist, no. I think. But you know, he does have his little moments of like nice little melodies yeah. within his range, and I kind of dig that. Yeah. But I enjoy the song. I really do. Yeah, Nathan. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't really do anything for me. I, I appreciate you know talking about it being a fairly organic song, and I think that makes a lot of sense. You can kind of it, it feels much more like the band playing together and really listening yeah. to each other in the creation of a song. Like I said, much more like than, World sounds like a remix. Yeah, know? absolutely. Um, and then you know it does have that warmth, but it, it just I don't know. It feels like background music to me. I yeah right. I would I can't imagine feeling passionately about this song in any way. Nothing nothing grabs me or okay. makes me feel anything. I think that's kind of new order in general, I think. It's hard to feel a huge amount of passion. At least yeah. I find, like, after Joy Division, it's, you can't escape the past. Mm. Uh, Adam wasn't here when we talked about uh, New Order for the first time no. back in episode three. So uh, this, is your, this is your chance to uh, get it out of your system, whatever you'd like to talk about in terms of New Order. So uh, go right ahead. Well, I was going to be here that day that we were going to talk about New Order, so I still listened to the track, and I still oh, yeah, had yeah. some kind of understanding of it, but okay. I think I arrived at pretty much the same conclusion that you guys did. Yeah, like, sure. Eh, not really. This track, um, look, I agree with pretty much what you, Andrew, and you, David, have said in terms of the instrumentation, but I differ really, really strongly in my final conclusion of the song. Like, I don't okay. I don't really pay it. And honestly, what? lyrically is the main reason. Like, I, I think lyrics yeah. go beyond passable. They get into bad. Yeah, like, there are lines that are pretty bad. Anyone who uses the full telephone, like, <laughs> who was this song made? When did you write this song? Who's, who actually says, like, it's just so I'm writing a song, so I'm using the word telephone because this fits the syllables that I need. They like, did have telephones in 1993. But you don't call them a telephone. You know what I mean? Like, really? you, say, you just say phone. phone. Like, you just say phone. Like, it's not... It just seems... The lyrics seem contrived and they seem really kind of... They annoy me. Uh, look at me, I'm not you. As, you know, like, what is that? Like, it's just... There's a lot about the vocals and the lyrics that, like, really get to me. And to the detriment of the rest of the song, I agree about the bass. Like, that's beautiful. Like, and the shimmery guitars and all the other, like... If you listen really closely in the production, there's a lot of, like, 
actual kind of chimes being used as well, which I think is really nice. Like, I think the, the tone that he's trying to get across about, you know, longing and, you know, kind of keeping things at arm's length and isolation and whatever, I like, I get that. I get into that feeling. Yeah, sure. So I'm 55% of the way there on this track, but there's this... It's a very missing, specific statistic. Still, it's still certified rotten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it, it is for me. Like, I, it's there's some stuff there, but I can't commit to it. It's not for me. Well, you might think it's rotten. I, it's fresh on my end. It's fresh on my uh, end as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I we're, all t- seven. <laughs> we're all we're all tasting some different tomatoes at the moment, and uh, you might say tomato, I might say tomato. Yeah, I'm tasting but, some uh, different tomatoes. Yeah, look, let's just call the whole thing off. At number 64, it's Screaming Trees with Nearly Lost You. In the 1993 Hottest 100, we'd nearly lost you. Hey kids, it's Mark Lanigan. <laughs> Matt, you're a Mark Lanigan man. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with the trees. That was, uh, I think, um, hyperbole to say that I am Mark Lanigan man. <laughs> just, just first and foremost, but I am really not that familiar with the band at all, to be honest. It was a, a kind of a hearing it for this podcast was the first time I'd actually heard the song, at least knowingly. Mm. Um, and I got, I do kind of infer that kind of like, I don't know, grunge light or perhaps even proto-grunge. Mm. The sound clearly was a... Um, I know that it, it was released at the same time as, say, um, like other dirt and stuff, but, like, it yeah. has that kind of... It seems to have the kind of sound of being a precursor to that. And that's generally the sound that I've preferred to actual grunge, I guess. Bands like the Melvins and the Pixies I connect with on a far deeper level than, say, Soundgarden and Nirvana. Sure. Mm. Um, but this song didn't really do anything for me. I know, like... It's easy to file it away under 90s vocals, kind of thing like that, and I don't really have any particular qualms with that kind of aspect of the song. Um, it's it's a nice enough vibe. I, I kind of wish I had some nostalgia for it. If I heard it when I was 16, maybe I would really connect with yeah, it now. Yeah. Sure. As yeah, it stands, yeah. it's just like a past that I wasn't there for. Like, it's not a terrible track, but it's just, like so many of the songs we've discussed so far, I guess I had to have been there, and I just wasn't. Yeah. Adam? Well, look, I'm kind of similar in that 
I don't I think it would mean a whole lot more to me if I was there for it like I totally get that vibe but I think I'm more inclined to kind of like it the drumming is phenomenal the drumming right is so yeah the drums are yeah. fantastic and, yeah. and just that hook of that calling me back to myself hook like yeah. I fully get into this there's t- yeah. definitely a little part of me that really likes this track and if I think it came about in the right time for me it would connect to me a whole lot more yeah. um, you know if, it, if I had some connection to it but I think I like it like I think it's a sweet track um, there's some killer guitar licks in it as well like, yeah the rest fully. of it is just really shred there's some, there's some really great stings and some really great hooks and I, I, I kind of like what it's got going on I, I think that this is you know we're training the Hottest 100 as a time capsule and I, I see, you know, stuff like this. It's kind of another avenue of alternative rock in the 90s. It was kind of like a next-door neighbour to grunge. It didn't, like, really have the angst, well, or it didn't have, like, the the, yeah. the heaviness and the tone to it. But, you know, it's... I might be wrong here, but I think this was regarded as one of the one of the bigger grunge bands of, of that time. I think they're from Seattle, Screaming Trees as well. Like, they were definitely in that same crowd. Not every actor from Seattle was a grunge <laughs> band, Adam. I think the impression... Probably felt like it. <laughs> no, sure. This is kind of an interesting thing that we've hit on here because the part of the problem that some bands from Seattle at that time had was, Being yeah, they kind of were. Yeah. Like, Alice in Chains continually are asserting that they viewed themselves as a heavy metal band when they first started. They were not. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I, that's I, the I, thing. You I, know? I don't, I don't like, think we'll get to that in episode nine. Call their own, like, it's like when bands, like, there's a, a, a negative association with a certain genre kind of thing like that. Sure. Be it, say, be it anything from, say, emo to gothic rock, post-rock, these kind of terms that bands don't like being pigeonholed into, partly because it restricts yeah. their, the sound that their band might have. But I don't think it's, and it's, and it's got negative degree, connotations yeah, as well. Yeah. It's not up to the band, though, to a certain degree. If your song lasts 20 minutes and it has instrumental passages and crescendos, I'm probably going to call it post-rock. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you want to tell me that it's not. It's just classical music with and guitars. I, and I guess the other thing that I that I didn't include there is I'm not sure when that statement came out. Because yeah. it may have been reflecting back. Yeah. You know, maybe at the time when grunge was getting big, they would have been much more okay with being associated with that movement. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is more just straight up alternative rock to me, and you know, obviously, I think it's a fair call. yeah, yeah. Like there, there isn't really the the, the, the singing through the teeth yeah, or, yeah. The, or the grunt or like the you know the angstiness or anything have the like that. Of grunge. You know, no. true. Uh, yeah, Mark's vocals, uh, yeah, like well, they've got a bit, little bit more clarity to them than your than your average grunge singer. Yeah. Um, I I like the guitar tone in this, and like we mentioned, the drums sound fantastic. Obviously, this isn't Lanigan's finest moment. Like, you could, like, probably this song to him, like, these days, like, it'd probably be like someone whip, whipping out naked baby photos. He's just like, oh, come on, <laughs> put that away. Oh, God, I was young, you know? Like, you, you've got the long flowing hair in the video. Yeah. And you just, you'd probably just see him now, just all like crow's feet and like the disheveled hair, and it's like, oh, God, someone's playing that fucking video <laughs> with me and my wireless microphone. <laughs> Side note, rock singers. 90% of the time looks so awkward with a wireless microphone. Yeah. Mm. They have no idea what they're doing. Unless you're like Bono. You need to be tethered down. Yeah, exactly. You need Bono, something like to grip onto, yeah. you know? Bono is like using the headset mic now, I think. I think oh, he, he, had, he, he has moved into that. Yeah. It would. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that just make so much sense? <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, what do you think of Scary Truth? I thought it was fine. I just thought, like, it felt like grunge light. It didn't have the yeah. urgency of Nirvana or the sort of scale of Pearl Jam or anything like that. And it just felt like it was a kind of shallow imitation of yeah. those sounds yeah. and it, it just it, it felt like a really a really like family friendly radio station We're like oh man we can't get in on this grunge music because it's so offensive to all our you know the parents that are listening but oh we could play this because it's it's a bit gentler or whatever I don't know okay did you did you like the song though? it was okay I wouldn't okay. listen to it again okay 
Well, so no, I guess no. Is I guess yes. Yeah, it seems like a no. Now, uh, have any of a, any of us here uh, kind of followed Mark Lanigan through the years, through his uh, Gutter Twins or uh, his solo work or his work with Queens of the Stone Age or anything of the like? Not at all. No. Oh, well, there you go. Well, I like Queens of the Stone Age. I, I hadn't heard the name Mark Lanigan before because I'm not great with like finding out who's in bands. Well, but... Mark played on Songs of the Death. He played oh, a great uh, album. Yeah, yeah he really played on album. that record. And uh, he also contributed to uh, Lullabies to Paralyze. He's the he's the vocalist that, uh, on the first track on the record. The where where have you been? Right. I love. That's oh, Mark okay. Lanigan. Yeah, got kind of a these days he has a much more of a weightier kind of feel to his vocals. Mm. Did he have an album recently? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. He put out an album last year. Yeah, I think that's maybe where I. It was heard a the covers name. album, I'm pretty sure. So um, yeah, he's still fairly prolific, and he does like a lot of collabs, and he's still yeah. Still working quite a bit to this day, but um, okay. yeah, Screaming Trees was like his first major foray into into music, and it's what a lot of people still know him best for. But um, yeah, I think he's kind of embarrassed by it now, hmm. and obviously some of you guys agree. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that's the cycle of life, man. That's that's what it's all about. Uh, let's whip our skivvies out. It's time for number 63 with the song Scratch My Back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Shop. Scratch my Yeah. Um, you, uh, you weren't feeling this one, were you? No, I don't know what the hell happened to me the first time I listened to this track, but I right? really liked it. Right. Oh. The first time I heard this song, I was like, this is great, this is amazing, that riff, the energy, this is sick, those harmonies, that chorus is really catchy. I didn't, what the hell was wrong with me that time? Because I went back to listen to it the second time and I, I really, like, couldn't. Like, I wow. just, the amount of cringe that I had listening to the song was just like, this is... And, and I, like, I was reflecting back on me that first time, being like, I can't believe the person that I was. Just like thinking back to your teenage self. Except that was just me, like, you know, like two, Five minutes two ago, days yeah. ago. Like, you know, like, <laughs> the distance that passed between the first time I listened to the song and the second time was, there's a, there's a huge, over. huge difference. <laughs> I grew because of this song. But, like... That's wonderful. 
I, I think thank so. Thank you, Song. Yeah, thank you, The Sharp. Thank yeah. you, Scratch My Back. Like, I think the conclusion that I'm sitting in now, and hey, this could change. Like, I could go back to, <laughs> I could go back to loving this song again. Is just wow. It's just there's a, there is it's just in the cringe. It's just in very cringe <laughs> lyrically. The the energy of it all. It's just a bit like oh, like this. I mean, I know it's aiming for the entendre, but like it's not double. It's, it's not a, even single. It's like it's like the band's like, should we get? A, should it's we get, half an entendre. Should we get an entendre? We'll split it between the four of us. <laughs> yeah. Like that's about it as much. Blow me. Like, yeah, it's explicitly just says, <laughs> yeah. just says blow me. Um, so I, I think I still enjoy aspects. Yeah, but right. yeah, I, I, I think there's a good is, song trying to get out. This is the most bipolar response we've ever had to a song on this entire entire yeah. character. Yeah, and I, I've only spoken so far. Like, both, <laughs> yeah. both poles I am yeah. holding. Like I'm holding both these poles. <laughs> So that's me, guys. <laughs> Crisis of faith. <laughs> this song well, confuses me. Nathan, you're 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 a skivvy wearer. What's your what's your take? I've, I've dabbled in skivvies before. <laughs> I I like. It feels really weird. I don't think I've ever heard the sharp before. No, no. Which no. watching, is, I was like, yet another blip on the radar. Band. But yeah, 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 watching, I was like, this like feels barefoot. like it yeah. should be part of my like my understanding Musical of, of Australian, Australian music, music in the last. 20, 30 years. Like, yeah. just that video. I was like, oh, like, why haven't I heard this? This this feels like it's in a... Like, maybe because it peaked at number 40. Like, this I, wasn't a huge Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, and I guess maybe they like, didn't do much else, but... But they're in Europe. They, there's they're a, big enough for that. There's a, but, like, that's the thing. They're a band, and I will always have an affinity for a, a rock band with a double bass. So that was the thing. I saw that. Uh-huh. When, it, when they first rocked on onto... I'm speaking from seeing the video here. <laughs> oh, when, when they first rocked up, and it's cringeworthy 90s <laughs> as they come. Oh, man. But when they first appeared, up. and he had a double bass, I thought to myself, this is going to be kind of living indie. And it's not. No. But, like, but... There's, there, there is an innocuous punk influence there that I don't think can be discounted entirely. Yeah, I, I would yeah. suggest that, like, without the sharp, we might not have got the living end. Obviously, I, I don't know Chris Chaney's <laughs> musical influence. Just going to email you. Let me know. Let me know, Chris. Oh, but like, you know, That's the black and white aesthetic. Right I'm worried to Brian Seltzer. The black and white aesthetic, the double bass and the dancing around as well. Like, there's a clear rockabilly influence Absolutely. in that. And just yeah. that setup. I was like, oh, like, this in popular music, if I was a younger Chris Chaney, I'd be like, oh, I like I can do that way better, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah I don't, it was just, it's just weird. Like, Watching this is like I'm really surprised that I haven't heard of this before. It also yeah. that too, yeah. It it made me think of early Whitlam's as well. That kind Why? of what tr- you know, three guys playing sort of rough, sort of rocky stuff in the sando. That like I don't know. I I got that vibe and just. The layered vocals on the chorus, which I thought were quite fun. You guys have been pulling out some crazy comparisons recently. It's it's just where my mind went. It was that kind of... Nothingness was compared to fucking My Bloody (laughs) Velvet. That was what? It was fuzzy. It was layered. Oh, no, I just put it in a shoegaze song. That that sort of late Sunday afternoon, kind of rowdy, like playing in a pub, you know, just three guys, like jamming it out, and like you can imagine them doing it for ages. Like, like, they they fit that (laughs) that thing with me. Please, the Sharp, if you're yeah. listening, and, and <laughs> not Chris Chaney, could you could you like just do Come another the, version yeah. of "Scratch My Back" the coast for twenty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not playing the songs for him. I'm just talking about like just like regularly playing no, in I, one pub. All but the I time. want that. Yeah. I, I, I still want that. I, I thought this song yeah. was alright. I thought it was fun. I, I one thing I will say for it is that. I really dug the vocal trade-off in the chorus where yeah. one would sing one's part and then they'd swap it. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was just such a subtle trick. Like, I didn't pick up on it the first time. I just thought it was just like, are they just yelling over the top of one another? And then I realised what they were doing and I was just like, 
It's a very playful song and they said happy to play by the rules, but I don't think it's a bad song. There's something about it. Well, still there's that part where they exchange all the lyrics from yeah. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a great song. I don't know about that. Like what even, what even is that? I, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, if anyone is uh is that is that much of a fan of the sharp, uh they've only got five hundred listeners or something like that on Last FM. Yeah, you could right. very very yeah. potentially become the top listener. Yeah, you, you could increase That's your obscurity meter. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Get super compatibility with no one. Yeah. <laughs> That's the dream. Oh, isn't it? <laughs> Could you imagine if this ca- if this podcast had a last FM and just the kind of people that we'd connect with? Well, I it's listen to them. Just us. like I see, you've been listening to a lot of ten thousand maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. Uh, now, just a little bit of history. This band had a small run of success. So this cracked the top forty, yep. as did the album. This is the Sharp. Um, they split up in nineteen ninety six. Uh, they reformed briefly in 2010, uh, and they are now that can't all have been a good idea, <laughs> right? Could you imagine them just trying to fit in their skivvies from the 90s? Just like, oh god, honey, can you can you just fucking pull it down? Thanks. Ah, oh, that's better. <laughs> and now they're all off just working menial jobs. Huh? One owns so, a bookstore, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'd be nice to own a bookstore. It'd be very just, nice. Just, wouldn't you just I love to that. go to that bookstore wearing a black skivvy and what? People just, probably do look, that all the yeah, time. Yeah, and just look at him until he notices, and he'll just look up from his book, look down at you for like down Those the glasses, glasses look, and just like I'd like to. Yeah, all right. I'd like to walk up to the counter actually and just be like, "Excuse me, do you have any books on back scratches? <laughs> back scratcher, <laughs> back scratcher." It's time for another cover, y'all. Uh, at number 62, this is Faith No More. With easy, easy like Sunday morning. Ew. Turn the lights on, baby. Commodore's classic dun, 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 Easy mm. uh, I'm going to throw this one to Mac 
uh, considering we have a, uh, a resident Lionel Richie number one fan, um, you've danced on the ceiling many, many times, yes, and uh, it is you that we're looking for. So <laughs> uh, I am the blind woman in the video. Yeah, exactly. Also, thank you for hiding in my fridge last night and passing me a beer. <laughs> You're welcome. Really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I guess you were there all night long. <laughs> oh! All night! All night! <clears throat> Faith and More have been one of those bands that have always been just on the periphery of my musical love. I've never had anything but curiosity and even even affection for Patton and his efforts. I'm, mm. my, the Patton that I'm most familiar with would be Phantomus. Because uh, I think yeah. they dabble in the experimental more, which suits me a little bit more. Um, but Faith and More have always been a band that I'm like, one day I'll look into them, and one day I will. But I think this cover is not this really... <laughs> I think this is a really nice cover. There's something that I think that... I think like, good covers can be, I think, divided into two camps. The ones that change the idea radically and do something new with a pre-existing idea mm, and ones mm. that just stick to an honest and genuine appreciation of the song. And I don't think that this is an ironic cover. I think no, that you Patton, I think Patton and Faith No More just love the pop song. Because yeah. Patton has a strong pop affinity, from what I can tell. And I think this is just him loving this Lionel Richie song. But it's, it's an honest, true kind of lovely cover. And, 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 just an, an appreciation of a pop classic done with, like, I guess, relaxed, neo-grunge kind of vibes. And I think it's a fantastic version. Um, like, there's no, there's none of that kind of, like, Lola and Middle Band doing a cover of a Britney Spears kind of track. No. Nathness to it. I think it's a really genuine, honest cover. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is, this is weird, because it's, like, one of the, for me, one of the all-time great anomaly hits. Like, yeah. like, it's one of those tracks where a band is most famous for a song that sounds nothing like any of their other songs. So, you know, not to compare it to Every Rose Has a Thorn or More Than (laughs) Words, but, uh, or to be with you, uh, you know. But um, you get my point, you know. They're just thrown in as just like, oh, yeah, we've got this as well. And 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 that's what takes off. It's just like, Really? Have you heard anything else that we've done? Five Year Right to Party is mm. like the trope codifier. Totally. But I grew up uh, listening to Wave FM because of my parents, which is like the Illawarra old music station or whatever. But they would play this all the time. This version? Yeah, yeah, because I guess it would tick off their quota for somewhat new music. I'm sure they're still calling it new music. Oh, yeah, sure. So this is, you know, for for so long, it's like, oh, that's Faith No More. That's a weird band. And then, like... So many times I've like reminded myself, like, oh no no, Faith No More are a very different band. Yeah, that. like yeah, right. It's it's bizarre. I think this is such a beautiful cover. Great. Yeah, that. like my first exposure to Nirvana was through commercial radio that played unplugged versions of the yeah, song. Right. Yeah. So when I heard about a girl for the first time, I was like, oh shit, huh. that's that's not what I know. You know, where's the jazz brushes? They, my understanding is they started playing this live as a replacement for yeah. their cover of War Pigs. Yeah, that's um, right. To try that's, and break that's out of. You know, I guess break the rhythm of their rock set, which is super interesting. Yeah, yeah on, the, on that Black note, Sabbath they fucking the nailed their cover of War Pigs. It's so good. Uh, I, think, and, I think Adam might yeah. have a bit of a different point of view here. I kind of do. Like, I, I, it's really, really weird to hear you guys talk about it, like, as being that, that earnest. I can see the earnesty to some extent, but I think it is also peppered by a couple of other different things. Like, even Patton's introduction in certain versions, I know this is not every version, uh-huh. but it's and it's kind of soft, but he does actually say, like, turn the lights out, baby, this one's all for the ladies. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. That's how he introduced Yeah, I did that when I saw them. And that's, yeah, like, there is a bit of a, like, there's, there's not, it's not entirely free of irony, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. There is a kind of, like, that kind of, but I think the song itself, it kind of, it kind of demands that. Like, it's, to, even to hear it, 
to even hear Lionel Richie do it now sure. would be a bit silly. Mm. And I think that they just embrace that. Well, I think the difference is that like Lionel, Lionel Richie sings earnestly about being easy, but he's not really. Whereas mm. I get the impression that if you were looking at the narrative of the song, like, yeah. Lionel Richie's not easy like Sunday Morning when he says that. Like he's, he's trying to convince himself he is. Whereas like Patton doesn't give a shit. Like you think Patton is easy? I think he is. <laughs> I think he's like he's he's easy in form and he's easy in content as well. And it, the, what I get from the the cover or compared to the Commodores because I did actually go back and have a com- comparison because yeah. I wasn't that familiar with the Commodores cover um, and what I get is yeah from the Faith No More version there's a lot more Rockstar Braggadocio and Devil May Care like, okay. that seems to be the main difference there's mm. an earnesty in the Commodores version well that's always going to be in anything Mike Patton does mm. to be fair which is which is fine uh, but I, I, it does leave me a little bit ambivalent towards it like okay. I think I think it's a fine acceptable version of the song and it definitely there is a there is a huge difference which is something that I discovered because when I originally heard it and without investigating too far, I was like, well, this just kind of right. sounds like the original. I don't really take yeah. this anywhere. But they do. There, are, there a- are changes. And I think your criticisms of it being like having a rock star, like bravado, kind of thing like that, those are criticisms that I am I'm not fond of making yeah. towards music, but criticisms that I find myself making an awful lot to music when I don't enjoy it. And I think those are fine criticisms to make of it. But I do think something about it just, I don't know, maybe I just happen to connect with it on a level that maybe I'm uh, connecting with it deeper than it than is, is its intention I've certainly done that with music in the past that I thought was earnest and genuine and I found out that I'm being in the wrong that's happened in the past sure, but sure. This, I think I, I don't know I like to think that this is just done Patton just loves pop music and he did a pop song I think yeah. like, that's what I hope it is yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to accept it either way. And honestly, my feelings towards it, this is me reading into it. Like, this is me having an opinion because yeah, I, was, well, I, like, I put this do. song under the critical lens. Yeah. You know, like, and I, when I hear as it... As we I, want to do on this podcast. Yeah, as, as we kind of do. Um, when I hear it, I think it's a fine song to listen to. But mm. it's just kind of like in terms of what it says about being a cover. And this is something that I kind of maybe am, am, want to kind of look at a little bit more in relation to covers is that... How much when a band covers a song do we read the band than the actual song? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like in this particular version you can read Faith No More and their approach uh, to music and their kind of attitude towards music um, through listening to this song in comparison to the to the other song. And maybe that's true of like other covers as well. Well, so I think it would be to a certain degree just because it's the sheer fact that it's a certain band putting their own personality yeah. into another mm. song. And yeah. like, be that for better, say... Johnny Cash's cover of Nine Nails hurt. Yeah. Um, or, for, or, yeah, or for worse, any ska band doing a 90s <laughs> pop song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it kind of sits, for me, like it sits between the two. Right. That's, that's where mm-hmm. I'll place it. Like if we can establish a scale and not go to black or white territory, it is, yeah. it is, yeah, yeah. it's a shade of grey cover. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm okay with that. I, I think particularly looking at it with the film clip, which, where, you know, Patton is just, he looks very fed up and a bit tired and everything is surrounded by all these drag queens and everything like that. I like that, that reads to me as like, this is, you know, we playing faith no more and rock off rock. And it's like, this is like just sitting underneath that or whatever. Oh, just cool. like various attitudes that underneath it. And then, you know, and it keeps flashing back to them playing live and going off or whatever. Huh. But Mike Patton just looks very easy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know That's it. Like, like it, it feels genuine and it feels like, it, it like it almost looks like he's being lazy with it, but then the way he sings it and like I, you know because he's no, it's not he, it's like he didn't phone in the scene. No, no absolutely. No, no, no. I, I don't think he's ever phoned in a vocal performance. No, 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 no exactly. No. And and I think that's 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 what makes it genuine to me. You yeah, know what? Like if, if the story behind it was that Faith No More, you know, established themselves an identity of playing a certain kind of music, but they actually 
wished they could have written a song like this and that's why they covered it mm. that to me feels right I would make that a feels... that idea that's beautiful <laughs> I don't know like I don't think there's any way to disprove that so yeah. can we just Hopefully. we can just all accept that, that. That's, and that's, and that's canon, canon. <laughs> We have one last song to talk about today. At number 61, it's Christine Arnu and Paul Kelly featuring MC Oppie with Last Train. We don't know what don't we've know got until it's gone. We never think we never that if they disappear. So many so things now never can return. Until the judgment day when the Kelly featuring MC Offbeat at number 61 in the 1993 Hottest 100 with Last Train. Uh, now, Nathan. Yo. Uh, why don't you come join my party? Let's let's move it to the break of dawn. Okay. Uh, I've, I've got to hear that music <laughs> ringing. Bring, yes. it, bring it on. I understand. Yeah, yeah. good. Do you? Yes. Well, you looked a bit confused. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> What's your relationship with PK and CA? Uh, I mean, I, I'm a big Paul Kelly fan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably can't really say the same thing for Christine Arnoux. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm familiar with the singles or whatever, but I, I don't think I'd heard this song before, ever. Had you heard the original? Yes. Yeah. Yes, the Paul Kelly and the Coloured Girls song. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. From Gossip Record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's from Gossip. Um, yeah, which, you know, and I, I think this remix is, is really different, which is interesting, and I think just like... I think it's kind of cool that Paul Kelly, you know, is is collaborating with this really new indigenous singer songwriter and and yeah. putting a song together. And I think like it, it feels like it's a bit of like a leg up almost. Maybe that's mm. like being cynical or something. But oh it, no, not at all. I, you know, I, I think it's just like that was a really exciting thing for Christine Arnoux to do as her first thing, and that it worked for her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a very successful career from this point on. Yeah, for sure. I'm not a fan of this. I think it's very, very generous to call it even a Paul Kelly song. There's not really much of him in it at all. Even mm. not just in the fact that his vocals aren't really there, but in like uh, from what I feel when I feel when I hear a Paul Kelly song, and I think Paul Kelly is very much an emotional singer songwriter. That's what I get from Paul Kelly's yeah, yeah, an emotion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really get any of that from no. this song. I, it, I, I it's almost really... like a Paul Kelly collaboration in name only. Exactly. That's, that's what I kind of felt. goes towards it just being a bit of a leg up. Yeah. You know it's what? Like his like, more exposure because Paul Kelly's yeah. name is attached to it. In that vein, I would say that if a song like this was made today, it would probably be credited under whoever produced it. Like, yeah. It would be yeah. it would be like a Timberland yeah. song. Yeah, Avicii. You reckon? <laughs> 
I kind of get that vibe because I mean, like, I mean, you said that Paul Kelly doesn't feature in it that much. I remember listening to it and thinking, like, hmm, Christina Nunes really not in this song a whole <laughs> yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like, it's you like know, no, no one's really in the song. Yeah. But, but that bass groove is kind of really yeah. prevalent. And '93 <laughs> continuing to being the year of uh, quote unquote reggae. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really get much of either of them, particularly in terms of like the the voices and the emotions that they carry yeah absolutely Paul Kelly like when I listen to Paul Kelly like I have some feels exactly that, that, that's yeah, why like, you turn to it yeah, yeah yeah like Deep Water like like you know yeah and, and you know Christina Nua has written some beautiful songs absolutely. as well yeah. you don't I, really get that from no, no, sure. I think that like I see what they were trying to do here particularly with it, it, the time that it's from this kind of I guess that beat dance remix or anything like that certainly in Vogue and I see what they were trying to do I'm not going to discredit them entirely for trying to do something different with an artist like Paul Kelly, but I just think this was the wrong avenue for his words, and I think the best thing that came out of this was a successful career for Christina Anu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing that came out of this was uh, Paul Kelly's kind of first foray into dub music. Mm. Not many people know this, but uh, he actually, in the late 90s, uh, released a dub album under the name Professor Ratbaggy. What? Yeah, no shit. Um, Secrets out, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you rat yeah, daddy. it was it was very yeah, it was kind of incognito. Like Paul McCartney when he does the Fireman records, you know, it was kind mm. of he, he didn't tell anyone it was him, and you know, he was kind of working secretly in between releasing PK albums. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to see you know someone who's regarded as such a traditional singer songwriter, you know, a, like kind of a folk balladeer kind of go into this more interesting direction that. Uh, shows that there's a bit more to him than meets the eye and I think mm. that's that's yeah really important when it comes to being a versatile songwriter I like that this song was able to transform into something completely different than the, than its original version and certainly does that yeah the original song's great yeah I, I love yeah. I love the original I did, I did my research yeah. and listen to that yeah yeah really, really weird dis- uh, like a kind of jump between the verse and the chorus yeah yeah like wasn't prepared for that mm. but it was, it's really cool yeah, look, it's it's kind of a strange crossover, but um, yeah, for for my part, it's it's one that ultimately it, it worked out well for both parties for me. It helped Christine Anu along the way, you know, kind of to develop her own identity as a songwriter and a performer, and it helped Paul Kelly to kind of. I guess think outside the square a little more and say like, just mm. oh okay, well this is going on here. Let's see what else I can do when I go further down this route. In the show notes, I will link to a track from Professor Ratbaggy. Yeah, cool. Um, there is yeah, it's an interesting record if you can find it. I think it's pretty rare these days, but uh, definitely worth checking out if you get the chance. I'm not sure when we will get to talk about Paul Kelly again, but I'm not sure about Christina Nu. So is there anything uh, anyone would like to add before we? Uh, we closed the book on her. No, except maybe like, I don't know, we're talking, we can't really hear much of either of them in the song, but like, you know, maybe they were both really, really heavily involved in that remix. In production. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Production stage, like maybe, maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. in terms of Professor Ratbaggy, maybe they both really got into that and that's, and we, we actually hear a lot of them just not yeah. in the way that we're used to hearing them. I'd like to believe that's the case as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think like this song can be summed up for me in terms of like, if I was having a house party in the early 90s, Probably a good one Put to chuck on. on in the background. Yeah, yeah. I would you be know? the same. You know, it'd be sweet. Everyone, everyone be like, oh, I love Paul Kelly, and just start talking about Paul Kelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. There are a few greater conversations to have with another human being Indeed. than how good Paul Kelly is. With that, that brings us to the end of another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Uh, before we go, we are going to dish out our favourites and our least favourites. Uh, Adam? 
we'll take this one to you first off. Uh, can you tell us uh, your favourite and your least favourite from this week? I think my new favourite, it wasn't originally going to be this, but after we talked about it, I think I'm going to go with Faith No More. Uh, yeah, with, okay. With, with the with canon the story. that we decided <laughs> yeah. that it is, because that's just too beautiful. And what? I'm going to go with New Order. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, that's interesting, because I actually had New Order for my best. I, I really liked that song. And uh, I went with The Sharp with Scratch My Back for my worst. Uh, Andrew? Two New Order, first. also my favourite. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, and my least favourite, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but it's actually going to be Last Train. Okay. Uh, Nathan? Uh, favourite Faith No More, and probably least favourite Screaming Trees. Okay, well, yeah, I, I like that there's a bit, of a bit of a variety going on here. Spice of life, after all. <laughs> if you are listening to this the day it comes out and you are in Sydney, uh, please head along to Blackwire Records and check out Hoodlum Shouts, Mere Women, Collapso, and Freakwave from Melbourne, who are, yeah, all absolutely incredible bands. I think it's only 10 bucks or something like that. Hoodlum Shouts are one of the best live acts in this country. Mere Women are incredible. Yeah, such a, such a good band. So uh, definitely recommend heading along to that. Uh, if you are in Wollongong, uh, head along to Rad and See Wagons, who are one of the best live bands you'll get to see in this country as well. Uh, they've just released a new album, and it is an absolute corker. So uh, just a couple of things I wanted to throw in there for our Sydney and Wollongong listeners. What, what day is it today? Uh, it is the 13th of June. Oh, cool. Okay. I was, really, I was really unsure there. How, how did you forget? <laughs> <laughs> On this day of days. I suppose we should probably promote the blog as well. Yes, that's right. Uh, we are... So weeks ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have... Uh, we've just knocked up a new blog to go along with this. So we're going to be throwing up uh, some extra videos, uh, some extra notes, uh, some things that we'd like to discuss... Uh, a little bit more in detail, uh, so, and of course, all the episodes will go up with YouTube links to the songs that we're talking about. So, if you'd like to check that out, head along to hottest one hundreds and thousands dot wordpress dot com. Uh, hundreds and thousands are spelt using numbers, and of course, an S. And no punctuate. And uh, no punctuation. No, like no, every no, URL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> punctuation does not work in there. There are commas everywhere. That was, that was for the dads. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondering why it wasn't yeah. working. <laughs> That's it from us for this week. On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. So long. Mr. Nathan Harrison. See ya. And Mr. Adam Buncher. We had a perfect sound of music farewell set up because he said so long first and you just dropped the ball. Oh, so sorry. I'm still going to say your feet are saying. Adieu, adieu to you and you and you. My name is David James Young. Keep music evil. Goodbye. <laughs>